You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. No, I'm excited. Uh, As you can see, we're doing a a different series uh, this month. Uh, We were planning on doing this series called uh, wisdom, where we're going to be going through Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes, and kind of unpacking what all those mean. Um, but then the Lord kind of hit me. Uh, after a couple of events that had happened and feedback that I had received, uh, I realized, man, we gotta, we got to switch some things up. And so what's really cool about tonight is that this is going to be our first week of us not only having a message uh, from a sermon, but also going into small groups. So if, if you're excited about that, we got uh, two small groups that you guys can be a part of. Uh, they're going to be mixed groups, and uh, I'm excited to, to dive into them and to see how they go. So I am excited about that. So thank you guys for being here with me tonight. As I said, uh, we are talking about the sending and what that means. Um, and hopefully from this series, we can gain a couple of things. One, ways on how to be prepared for being sent out. Two, what, who are we going to? And then three, how? And so hopefully from these messages that we are receiving this month, we're going to be able to be better prepared and equipped to understand who we are in light of God and who God is in our lives and in our impact that we can have in those lives around us. So, again, I am super excited. If you will, turn with me to chapter 9 in Matthew, and it's going to be at the very end of Matthew. I forgot where it was, actually. What verse specifically? If you guys got your Bible apps or your Bibles, turn to chapter 9 in Matthew. Can you guys find the phrase where it says, uh, the workers are few? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Can you find that for me? It's at the very bottom. I think it's verse 36. I forgot where it was. I should have wrote it. You found it? What verse is that? 37. Thank you. So, at the end of chapter 9 in Matthew, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And when he is nearing the end of his talk, he gives a statement saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I don't know about you, but as I survey the world, as I survey my little area of Santa Maria, I I see that there's a lot of people who are working. And and you can see over social media, there's a lot of people who are working. People are working, devoting themselves to a cause or to a movement. Working not literally as in like a job, but maybe working in a way that is out in society, doing something for something. And and oftentimes you can see it in social media, you can see it on the news, you can see it on TV, you can see it just in everyday life, even with your friends or family. And that's why it can get awkward at those dinners sometimes. People are fighting for something. They are part of something. And, And a lot of times these people are devoting their lives to a cause or to a movement that they have identified with and sacrificed to. And some, I might even say, are even noble. But with these movements or causes, I've noticed that there is such a divide. And take for the church, for example. Uh, As I even look to the church, there's so many different politics and ideologies and and theologies and all these different ease within the church even that separate us with denominations from people who are traditional to people who are uh, uh, charismatic to 
progressive to quiet to people who like hymns, you know, and it's, it's very divided and very split. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I've noticed people are very, very separated. Not just separated, but it's almost awkward if you're in between or if you're not a part of something. But what I've also noticed is that if you look in history, a lot of these movements that have sprung up over the years, they change. And, oh, the guitar. I saw some people laughing. No, it wasn't just you. I saw some others. Um, I was just hoping there's, like, nothing on my butt or something. These pants pick up, like, everything that I sit on. So I was, yeah, anyways. Um, Yeah, and and so what I've noticed is that people are very divided, very very split between different movements and things that are going on. And uh, and it can get kind of chaotic. Like I said, though, these movements change. And if it's a man-made movement, it is something that is going to stop or it is going to be something that's changed. It's not going to be perfect. And it is something that will eventually be nothing. And what I've noticed is that that was even the argument that some of the people in the Bible had given towards the movement of Jesus. Now, if you guys remember... There's a moment where one of the, the, the Pharisees were all getting together and they're saying, oh man, the disciples are saying that Jesus had risen. They're saying how Jesus was going to, this whole movement is going to keep going and it's going to get crazy. And all these Pharisees were like, how do we put an end to it? We need to stop it. We need to put an end to this thing right here, right now. And one of the Pharisees spoke up and he said something to the extent of, well, if it's not true, if it's not real, if it's just another one of those crazy fanatical movements that are going on, then it's just going to end. Obviously, has it ended? No. We're here today still talking about him 2,000 years later. Today, thank God, I'm not going to be talking about any specific movements or causes that people are divided about. I know it can already feel a little intense and, and just tense in here right now. I don't know what you guys are doing or what, but it's kind of intense in here right now. Um, so we're not talking about that. But I think that if we're going to be talking about devoting our lives and our morals and our efforts to something. We can't just look to what is the here and now, but instead to something higher that resides above it, something that is much more and much eternal than these movements or things. And I'm talking about not a movement or a cause, but a God, a God who is enduring and who remains the same. If we go back to that verse, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I think there are a lot of people who... Uh, based, who are working based on a morality that is set within themselves. And what I'm going to be doing right now is I'm going to be talking a little bit about apologetics. And if you don't know what that is, it's the argument for Christianity. It's, a, it's how to defend God, basically. And, and so if you, it's, it's a little hard to, to follow. I understand. Talk to me afterwards. It, I, hopefully I've simple, simplified it a little bit so that we can all be tracking here. But, but I'm going to say that one more time. I think people are working based on a morality that is set within themselves. And it could be within a movement. And that is a dangerous thing. If morality is based on man, then it is subjective. And truth can be a matter of opinion. Truth can change depending on who, what, where, with a plethora of reasons as to why. But ultimately, if what is right and wrong is determined by each person, it only depends on their own desires or wants then. And if it isn't objective, people can justify what is right and wrong based on what they think or believe. And look at how evil that can be. Think of just history. 
If those in Germany before World War II had been devoted Christians, they would have heard the argument that Adolf Hitler had given, saying that Jews were nothing more than parasites, and they would have stood their ground and hadn't been swayed by that movement. If slave owners had actually read their Bibles and submitted to it, instead of wickedly twisting it to their own gain, they would have been convicted and horrified of the atrocity that they had committed by reducing one's life to mere property. You might be asking, Kel, why are you saying all this? What, why are you bringing this up? I believe that if we're being sent out, we need to know by whom and for what. And if Jesus was calling his disciples, saying that the harvest is great, but the, plenty, but the workers are few, I think we need to be prepared for us to be asked to go out into that harvest. By whom and for what? How many of you have ever been in a conversation where you just don't understand what the other person is talking about? Raise your hand. How many of you have been there? Oh, gosh. You what? What did you say? You had it? <laughs> we, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. I do this thing where I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm focused. We were at the gym together, and we are just walking, and uh, I was like, hey, Tim, do you want to? And everybody's like, what? I'll be like, yeah, no, Tim, I was saying, do you want to do this? And I'll just, like, turn away as he's, like, right here. And he's, like, what? And I was making him do that whole what thing. Yeah, anyways, really funny. But, uh, but as I was saying, uh, <laughs> have you ever been in a conversation where you just have no idea what the heck the other person is talking about? I want to apologize here and now because there are some of you that I've had a conversation with about a certain topic that I just have no idea about. And I am, I am so sorry. We've had moments like this. And when I say the topic, you're going to think back, and you know who you are. You're going to be like, oh, man, really? You had no idea this entire time? We were talking for like 30 minutes. Yes, I have no idea. I am so sorry. And I, and I have to admit, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good with some things. I'm good about knowing, you know, emotional intelligence. I'm, I'm good about knowing how to understand or relate in some way or fashion. <sighs> Can I keep a secret? Can you, can you guys keep a secret with me? Can I, can I share something? I am just not good about talking about cars. I'm just not. And some of you in your love talking about your cars. I wish I knew. Okay, I wish I knew. I, I, I want to know. Please tell me about your car. Okay, tell me about all the problems it has. Tell me about the new cars that you're going to get. Tell me about the cars you've had. I want to know, but I just please bear with me. Bear with me. I have zero clue what any of the engine means. I don't know what this means or this. I no idea. Okay, so please bear with me. You what? I, dude, don't ask, bro. I, I can't help you. I cannot help you. I don't know. Um, and, and you guys are passionate about cars. I get it. I, I love it. I, uh, I, I found myself uh, continually in this, in this issue, this dilemma specifically, with, uh, with Abby's dad, my, my father-in-law. And for whatever reason, okay, I've known this, this, this guy for a little bit now, for whatever reason, cars just always come up. Whether about, <laughs> it be about his old cars that he had or his truck that he has now. And it's really cool when I, I'm trying to like go along with it. And, and I'm trying to be like, oh yeah, no, that, that's really cool. And like use kind of the same words that he would use. Like uh, he was changing out his radiator and I was like, oh yeah, did you go to I forgot what he said. This place. 
<laughs> right here. No, I, I would like him say the same words, trying to like go along with him, right? And at the end of the conversation, I found myself asking in my mind, begging him with my eyes, saying, do you still love me? Do you still accept me as a father, as a, as a son-in-law? I felt horrible because I, I legit have no idea what he was talking about. And, and I think the issue is, is that that's common. The issue is that we find ourselves in situations or in circumstances or in many places around where it's like, man, if you don't speak the lingo, if you, if you can't accommodate or assimilate into a certain area, you find yourselves feeling like an outcast. And you find yourselves feeling like, oh, you don't belong or you're not accepted. And this message isn't about, oh, you're accepted. But, but this message is, that I'm trying to say is this. With movements that are everywhere else, there's always going to be a requirement for you to be something, to do something, or to earn something. But with Jesus, that's not the case. And so when I say you're being sent by someone, I want us to acknowledge truly, who are we being sent by? We are being sent by the God who loves you. David acknowledges in Psalm 139, he said this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What's so powerful about this is that what David is acknowledging is that God had thought of him before the foundations of the earth. He had thought of him, and each day that were to come, he knew beforehand. He knew exactly who he wanted David to be and what he was going to create him to do. And what's amazing about this is that David had this assurance. And what I want us to understand, too, is that we have that assurance. As believers in Christ, we can hold on to that truth. We can hold on to Jesus being someone that we can identify ourselves as being a Christian with. To God, you're not just another grain of sand. You are beloved and created for his purpose. Think about this. When God called his followers, check this out. Not one person did he call that was already following him. Did you know that each person that God called, when he called them, that person wasn't already following God. God had already called that person, and then they accepted it. And what's really cool is that you, too, were called by God. Before you chose him, before you gave your life to him, he had chosen you, and he had given your life already for you. That's the God we serve. Everything in this world demands that we do something, that we must be something to earn our place, earn our respect, and even earn our love. Yet God chose us still before us ever doing a thing. And it is our response to this that we do his work, but we don't do works to earn it. So when we talk to others, I advise you, just like me talking about cars to somebody, don't talk in Christianese, okay? I, I advise against it. Unless they can speak it or, or you can explain as you go. But when we're talking about being sent out, be mindful of this. This is a practical and applicable, 
applicable thing. How many of you have seen uh, the new Top Gun movie? Raise your hand. Oh, oh, not that many of us. Oh, not that many of us. Wow, okay. Really good, right? Really good? Really good, okay. Uh, That movie was amazing. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's this one scene that's really not that significant to the plot, but it worked perfectly for for my message, so I'm just going to say it, all right? I'm not going to spoil it. So basically, there's these two guys who have a history. One guy does not like the other one. And as they're practicing flying, uh, they're flying these, like, big old airplanes, like, like jets, like F-18 uh, fl- planes, jets. I don't know. They get into, <laughs> again, I'm not very good. At, there's a trend here. I'm not very good with, uh, <laughs> with vehicles or, uh, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, machinery. Thank you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, flying car. Uh, they have this history, right? They don't like each other. And uh, they get into the situation where they're practicing flying, and, and there's these two guys, and they get in this spiral, right? And, and one is chasing, one's on this side, one's on this side, and they're just, like, going around, going around. But instead of them, like, going up or, or sideways or anything, they're literally spiraling down. And, and they're almost playing chicken with each other, seeing who's going to pull out last. Like, who's going to be the one that is going to, like, give up and do all that, right? And as they're spiraling down, they get so close, and what's crazy to think about is when you take a step back and think of the movie, they're just practicing. And yet they have this beef with each other that's like so significant that they're willing to kill themselves over it while they're just in practice. And man, when I go on Instagram, I'm on like my Christian meme pages or whatever. How many times do I see Christians fighting battles you're not even in the battle. You're fighting other believers over stupid things on a Christian meme page. Really, it's funny, right? But reality is that's a real thing. And it's hard, it's hard for me to like, bring this into a message because I'm like thinking to myself, really? But man, we get into such futile disputes. And And again, the problem isn't that that was the battle. No, they killed themselves without even being in the real battle. They died? Seriously? No, they didn't die. Sorry, they didn't die. I'm sorry. They didn't die. I'm sorry. I misread it. I'm sorry. They didn't die. Or maybe. I don't know. I don't don't want to spoil it either way. Um, (laughs) Shoot, I kind of, yeah. Sorry about that. They didn't didn't actually die. Um, Anyways, uh, so, but it's almost like they're they're willing to... (laughs) I'm sorry. It's almost like they're willing to. And my point is this. What is the real battle? Is that what you're going to be known for? Is that what you're going to be responsible for? Being, arguing with each other over stupid things? Or are you really going to take seriously the opportunities that God is laying before you in everyday life that are not the, the practice thing? Not, not even practice. Not, those aren't even practice things. Those are just little disputes that are distracting you from the real thing. And my question is, are you going to let those things distract you? To be someone's disciple, you are an imitator of them. If we claim to be Christians in here, what does that mean? It means that we are claiming to be an imitator of Christ, a Christian, right? And if we're going to be an imitator of Christ, what does that mean? Well, Christ was love incarnate. And so if he's love incarnate, what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to act in, and speak in love. 
But in doing so, you're entering into a fierce and harsh battle. Jesus told his disciples that saying, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Because in the verse before that, if you're still on your Bibles, he says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. We love others, not because we think we're better than them, but because we can acknowledge and see that they as people are exactly who we were without Christ. The only difference between us and them is that we were given grace and love and mercy by God. That's it. That's it. It's God. That's the only difference. We're not better. We're not greater. We're not, we shouldn't act as though we are. We have to love others. No matter what they think, no matter what they believe, we have to act in love and speak in love. And that's a crazy thing to think about, if, if you, to say if you really think about it. Like in today's day and age, really saying you need to love your enemies, you need to love those who think differently than you, you need to love those who may even hate you. That's a crazy thing. Jesus then preps his disciples out, but before doing so, he warns them. The next chapter, Matthew 10, uh, verse 16 through 20 says this. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Our response to Christ's love is to go representing him. So when we minister to others by sharing the gospel, we aren't looking for their response. Hear me, we're not looking for their response. We're simply doing what we had been given ourselves. And it's up to them to choose what they're going to do with that. So when we go and do our events like blankets and burritos and we go and feed the homeless and we do all these different things that, that I personally love doing, we're not looking for a response. We're just simply acting out of what we have been given ourselves. The question I want us to ponder in our hearts is this. Will you truly be, as you say, an ambassador of Christ and be willing to love others the same way that you have been loved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to read your word, to reflect on what you have to say. God, thank you that we get to spend this time together as brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I love the way that you work in each and every one of us, using us for our own abilities and our own giftings. God, I pray that you'd make it apparent on each of our hearts where we need to reconcile with, with others and how to reconcile with you, God. I pray that we'd be able to love others. God, show us who we need to love. I pray that throughout this week, God, and throughout the rest of the series, we'd be pondering these things on how to be sent out and to who to be sent to. We love you, and we thank you, Jesus. Amen.